0: Buddy, I'm Kelly Ellers.
1: I'm Jeffrey Lennon.
0: And this is Volume Up by The Tease. So there's a couple things that we need to talk about in our opening statement today. <laughs> the first is, have you been watching the David Beckham documentary?
1: So, Kelly, I was not sure. Because <laughs> it, it's just titled Beckham. Yeah. And there are obviously two very famous Beckhams. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the like lead material, the, a lot of those teasers... Featured both, uh-huh. which might have been Netflix's plan to get people like me <laughs> and me <laughs> to watch a sports documentary um, because I was not expecting four episodes about David Beckham specifically. Right. Right. So let me start there. Okay. Did you did you realize that you were getting into a, a sports doc?
0: No, I didn't. And honestly, I I I'm not all the way through it yet, so don't spoiler me out. If <laughs> I don't know, I mean, we know. This unfolded <laughs> <this laughs> un- in real life, but I do actually have a couple points of view from the initial.
1: Okay, please, 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 I want to hear everything.
0: Okay, so you know, I feel like maybe this is just in my world, but but you know, he snagged her back in the day. She was the big deal.
1: Oh she uh, absolutely. And that I thought was an interesting again why I thought this was going to be a series about <laughs> the Beckhams Z- plural. Yeah. Like Beckham, but but I mean she was way the bigger of the two.
0: Way out of his league. I mean so that was like poof. I I guess I thought he was David Beckham before
1: Always. Yeah. Like the David Beckham. Yeah.
0: always, yeah. Always. But he was kind of a scraggly, just kind of doing his soccer thing, you know,
1: doing his little football (laughs) little. I'm going to get so much shit at the time before he ascended.
0: (laughs) Yes. Before he ascended
1: is what we're trying to say here. When they first met,
0: he was just a guy playing soccer.
1: But but just a guy playing soccer who had really (laughs) good hair always. Indeed. Can we like that's that's maybe
0: that's our take for today is that we need to we're going to talk about the hair
1: Mm.
0: and one of the big, you know, hair takeaways, if you will, outside of we haven't even gotten to her yet. Mm -hmm. But he never really intended that his iconic 2000, the year 2000, his buzz cut would create as much attention as it did. Mm. And there was an article in The Independent in the UK where he was reflecting on his decision and he basically was like, I had my hairdresser, Tyler, and I was like, I'm gonna cut my hair. And the hairdresser was like, I don't mm-hmm. I don't think you should do that. Yeah. <laughs> and went on and he did it. He chopped off the blonde hair and he was stubborn about it, which I don't think we're I don't think that's probably news. But he said, literally kids were going to the hairdresser saying, I want the David Beckham haircut. And some schools were actually writing in to parents and saying, No one, you cannot shave your head anymore. Isn't that crazy?
1: Yeah, watching that part was (laughs) wild. I mean, really, anytime we're like looking 20 years back, it's like, how far we've come. We've come. Like, how is a buzz cut? Mm. What I admired most about it was that I don't think he knew what his head looked like before he took that. I think...
0: Yeah, I don't think he even thought about it.
1: Yeah. Mm -mm. Because I will just say, he maybe doesn't have the best head (laughs) shape. <laughs> or a buzz cut
0: Right. Again, he was not David Beckham back then. He was just David Beckham, right? Just a, just a bloke. Yeah, just a bloke.
1: Playing football. Yeah.
0: Anyway, I'm loving it. If you haven't watched it,
1: I would like a follow up series, I think, is what I'm going to get out. Yeah. I'm spoiling nothing. Okay. I'm spoiling nothing. You've seen a couple, you know, there's not enough Victoria Beckham. Mm-hmm. I think we could have, and maybe that's what the plan is. Maybe we'll, it's going to be like the crown and we'll get another version from her eyes. Um, because her hair journey. Oh, I mean, talk about some iconic looks,
0: some looks
1: like not all good, not all good, but all of them noteworthy.
0: I think one of them is coming back. So according to Glamour magazine, there is a new trend out there called Wait For It. <laughs> the tendy. <sighs> the tendy is a tiny hair upgrade that all of the celebs are doing. Otherwise known as Ellie in her 1997. <laughs> From up to
1: everything's back.
0: With the tight updo and the one tendril.
1: Just a little wispy.
0: Now named Attendee. Attendee. What do you think about that?
1: I do not care for that name. <laughs> I mean, I know that we've got to like have a, a thing for everything. I guess like better that than like peace. Yeah. Like it's attendee. It's it it's descriptive. <laughs> yeah, like I, I get what it is. Yeah. It conjures an image. They've done their job. Mm-hmm. It is kind of gross. But I do like the look. Yeah. So, I mean, you talked about it. It was a big deal for you for his school dances. (laughs) Would you revisit? Would you have a tendy in 2023?
0: No, I don't think there's any way (laughs) where you're going to see my hair tightly pulled back and one tendy. One. It's just not. The 2000s, you know, they're saying that this was trending in the 2000s. Well, I I beg to say... It was as early as 95, 96. Look at that. Look at that. And I don't need to go back to my high school years. I'm just going to stick with my my Regina George chuggy side part and call it a day.
1: Calling it a day. You <laughs> heard it here. Um, no snatched ponies. we discovered that based on last, <laughs> last pod and no tendies <laughs> for Kelly Ellers. Um,
0: Moving on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. We got it. We got it. Okay. Trend alert. Check. On our last episode, I talked with Ruben Carranza. Ruben is currently the group CEO and member of the board of directors for three hair companies: Amika, Eva NYC, and Ethique. With an extensive and impressive career in the beauty industry, Ruben has worked with brands such as Pantene, Olay, CoverGirl, Clairol, Wella, Rancoco, Orbe Haircare, Becca Cosmetics, Pulp Bright, Olaplex, and now Amika, Eva NYC, and Ethique. Quite a list! It was a great pod. He is a friend of the pod and a personal friend. So thank you, Ruben, for joining us. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok at ReadTheTease and sending questions to at thetease.com.
1: Do it. This week, we're talking with Brandon Hutchins. Brandon is practically a lifelong student of marketing, a passion he's been cultivating since creating his own company right out of high school. It's this initial interest that blossomed into a 14-year career in professional sales and marketing across multiple industries. Brandon currently serves as Beauty Industry Group's president of Professional Brands, leading a team in conceptualizing, coordinating, and maintaining successful marketing and advertising campaigns throughout the worldwide beauty supply market. So we just talked about this incredible guest who's going to be speaking about all things global, but let's talk a little bit about the local. Um, We just got word uh, that Denver Fashion Week is looking for hair stylists and makeup artists. Um, I didn't... Necessarily think that Denver had a fashion week, mm-hmm. but this is a really incredible opportunity, particularly for listeners out there that are you know inspired by some of the guests we've had on the podcast before, um, but not in some of the places where things like New York Fashion Week happen. Uh, so Kelly, what do we know about this?
0: So it's coming right up, November 11th through the 19th, and there's limited spots for pros and creative hair and makeup artists still available. Each of the designers is going to have 10 to 20 models, which that's quite a that's great. Um, And if you head over to 303magazine.com, you can sign up there to be part of it. So I love, again, that they're offering this out. Just like, hey, are you in the Denver area? Do you want to get a portfolio? Do you want to build your skills? Because again, we as professionals may think that a fashion week is unattainable. But here you go, Denver stylists. Hell yeah. Let's get
1: after it. And Denver's not that far. If you're in the Southwest or the Midwest or the West Coast, you can get in. Make it happen. In and out. All right. Let's talk about things that are trending on our site. Our editorial team has been hard at work this week uncovering industry news, looking into trends and diving into brands that you don't know but should. And here are some of our favorite headlines. First up, R&Co just launched a blowout bomb and shaping bomb that you'll want to use on all your clients. R&Co's already impressive product lineup has just got two exciting new additions. Allow us to introduce you to the Hot Spell Thermotech Blowout Bomb and Grasp Intense Hold Shaping Balm. Both of these balms are guaranteed to become must-haves for stylists hoping to style sleek looks for their clients or just keep hair protected from heat damage. The grass balm is an innovative shaping balm for slicked-back looks with a pliable airbrushed finish, while the hot spell balm is a straightening blowout balm that fights frizz and creates effortlessly smooth styles. You might be more accustomed to working with hair products in a spray form than a balm, particularly when it comes to heat protectants. But trust that R&Co has a good reason for doing what they've done. Learn more about these balms over on theteats.com. Kelly, yeah, your take. Do you like a a, a balm for a hair product? Do you really like getting in there? or Yes. Oh, okay.
0: I like a balm for my ends. I like a blowout sort of product on a heat protectant. Mm-hmm. And first of all, I think R&Co does everything pretty darn well. I know. Down to their incredible packaging.
1: Always the packaging.
0: So I'm gonna give it a try. Yeah. Way to go, R and Co.
1: I mean, I'm all for the product innovation. <laughs> Let's make it happen. All right. Next up, um, a kind of an unexpected take. Uh, the story is called Odell is taking its best-selling dry shampoo on the road with Dessa. Odell is headed to the big stage. The Minneapolis-based clean haircare brand has teamed up with Twin Cities-based singer, rapper, and writer Dessa in a new partnership that will spotlight the brand's best-selling dry shampoo on the artist's "Bury the Lead" tour. The collaboration between the two grew out of an organic affinity for each other's craft a mutual friend of both odell co-founder britta chatterjee and dessa encouraged the singer to try odell's dry shampoo knowing that the type of product was a hair care staple when the schedule gets busy months later dessa completed recording the song chopper which she briefly considered titling visine cab Fair dry shampoo <laughs> after a line from the lyrics Odell and Dessa began having a bigger conversation about joining forces, and soon after, a partnership was born. Head to the tease.com to hear more about what that partnership entails, specifically for those who are going to see Dessa on tour. All right, look, you are a marketing maven. Mm-hmm. You know all things um, in this space. Uh-huh. How do you feel about this partnership and activation versus a brought to you by moment, which we often see yeah. with concerts? Um, seems like it's a little bit more of the moment, but what do you think? What do you think?
0: Yeah, I think it's more of the moment. I love a collab. I love any type of partnership where we're kind of crossing over industries, um, you know, bringing the Odell products to the Dessa audience. Certainly there must be some demographic crossover, right? So we'll be curious to see how this one takes off. And I love their dry shampoo concept. You can actually see the dry shampoo in the bottle, clear bottle. And so I think they're doing a lot of things, right? So go get them.
1: I did. And if you see us on tour and
0: you... want to know.
1: ...are understanding what this activation is, <laughs> like, I want to know more about it. I want to see, what do you think about this? Um, and maybe other brands will jump on board, I don't know. We'll see. All right, next up, last but certainly not least, Sexy Hair brings the magic of the metaverse to hair care with its latest launch. Ready to create the hair looks of your wildest dreams? Achieving larger-than-life hair just got way easier... Thanks to the launch of Sexy Hair's new Metaverse collection, which features the brand's cult favorite spray-and-play harder hairspray in two limited-edition fragrances. Inspired by the fantastical nature of beauty in the virtual world, this otherworldly hair care collection invites hair lovers to take their hair to a whole new world of volume. With these new versions of the volumizing spray, Sexy Hair fans can expect the same 120-hour hold, 10 times volume, and flake-free finish that they already know and love – with the added bonus of two dazzling new scents called Dreamcatcher and Stargazer. More on thetees.com. Kelly, the question is... Yes. Which one are you more into? Dreamcatcher, Stargazer, your take?
0: You know, I'm definitely more into the Stargazer. I'm just going to go that way because, you know, of the dark hair on the illustration. And I love sexy hair. I think the more volume we can get, yes. All around, yes.
1: Turn it up. (laughs) I mean, they're on the right podcast for that. Um, <laughs> I'm all about the idea of limited edition packaging. Yeah. Fragrances formulation. Yes. But did it have to be the metaverse is the question that I've got. Um, can we leave it
0: alone? Do we need to get into the metaverse? Is the, this is more. A, a Who's in the metaverse right now?
1: Because there's not necessarily a tie in to the metaverse here. Um, other than the name. Oh. And so I'm one. I'm just, you know can we just leave the metaverse be yeah can it just they just go i, I, just, wonder. <laughs> I just wonder i'd like to
0: tell around in the metaverse okay
1: <laughs> as always so much going on over at thetees.com thank you to our hardworking editors we are proud to publish stories that salon pros and consumers care about
0: next up my interview with brandon hutchins Brandon Hutchins is practically a lifelong student of marketing, a passion he's been cultivating since creating his own company right out of school. Back then, I wanted to know what motivated people to call me after seeing my advertisements, he said, and more importantly, what kept them coming back. It's this initial interest that blossomed into a 14-year career in professional sales and marketing across multiple industries. Brandon's experience is robust, showcasing proven abilities in direct technical sales, And marketing strategy and implementation domestically and internationally. He's a people person and multilingual, two skills that have served him well in creating and maintaining international marketing and distribution channels in his various positions. Brandon currently serves as Beauty Industry Group's president of professional brands, leading a team in conceptualizing, coordinating, and maintaining successful marketing and advertising campaigns throughout the worldwide beauty supply market. It's a position he enjoys because he's constantly afforded opportunities to learn and discover new marketing trends. In a field that can be fickle and indefinable, Brandon's focus is unwavering. Create crisp and organic marketing campaigns that resonate and create growth. What interests me is how it all just comes back to people and the relationships you create with them, he says. There are always new theories. This year's hottest marketing trends and new advertising tactics. But ultimately, people just want a good experience with a good product or service. All right. So today on the pod, we have Brandon Hutchins. And we are so excited you're here. Thank you for taking the time for us on this lovely day. It looks lovely where you are, right? Oh,
2: it's amazing. Yeah, really <laughs> great weather. Uh, I think this will probably be the last of the great weather for the rest of the year. So we're trying to,
0: all right, we're trying to take
2: advantage of it. But no, thank you for having me here, Kelly. Really appreciate the opportunity, and looking forward to a fun conversation together.
0: You got it. All right. So if it's going to be the last day, we'll we'll get through this. We'll hustle through this for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we're going to start at the beginning. Tell us a little bit about. Your background and how did you get your start for where you are today?
2: Yeah, so I um, I did not grow up in the beauty industry. Uh, you know, I grew up with some sisters, so certainly had beauty products around me all the time. But that wasn't where I grew up. My my background really is in digital marketing, and so I had uh, you know throughout my career worked on a few different projects with startup companies and in other digital type environments, and was fortunate enough. Uh, about 13 years ago to get introduced to a gentleman. His name was Logan Woolley, and his partner at the time was Derek Porter. And And they were starting up or had started Beauty Industry Group, who I work for today. And uh, at the time they didn't have an in-house digital marketing team, but they were looking for more help. And so we were kind of at the right time in each other's lives. And I was fortunate enough to go work, uh, start working with them about 13 years ago. And uh, have been doing marketing, but then you know throughout the years have also transitioned into sales and administration and some other things uh, for Beauty Industry Group. But that's really where I kind of got my first uh, start in the beauty industry, and really have come to love it. You know, over the last decade or so, just getting to know so many wonderful people within the industry, both on the professional side and and on the consumer side.
0: Yeah, you know the saying: once you start or once you get in the pro beauty space, it's hard to leave, right? Do you concur with that? Oh, absolutely.
2: Yeah. In fact, you hear a lot of individuals talking about it being kind of a generational thing, right? You have these distributorships or these manufacturers or a salon that is now on their second or third generation. I think it's very true. And I think it speaks to the industry on the creativity, the diversity, uh, just the really hardworking individuals that make up the industry really help to make it something that you don't want to leave. Yeah. Uh, you can't imagine yourself doing something in another industry just because of all the good people that you meet.
0: Yeah, I grew up, my mom was a salon owner and stylist for 40 years. So for me, I was the one dusting the shelves and, you know, answering the phones for my. For a chunk of my childhood. And so I always put this industry on a pedestal. And one of the things that the T's, what we're trying to do too, is ensure that everyone from your grandfather to your guidance counselor knows that a career in the professional beauty industry is a viable one. And you can take a lot of different paths to get there. Um, Your path has now led you to beauty industry groups, president of professional brands. Can you tell me about that journey starting off in kind of digital and working your way up?
2: Yeah, well, and I think it's a story that's like, a, probably very similar to a lot of individuals in the industry that you start somewhere, just like you dusting shelves, <laughs> that leads to one thing and another. And now all of a sudden, you're, you're hosting a podcast, which is fantastic. Yeah. Um, my journey, like I said, started 13 years ago, uh, in digital marketing. At the time, there were five individuals within our organization. So it was a very much a startup company. You know, it was very young at that time, very nascent. And it was one of those environments where everybody did everything you wore multiple hats, you would sweep the floors, you would dust the shelves, you pick up the phone. It really was whatever was needed at that time to be successful. And we at Beauty Industry Group have been fortunate enough throughout the years to find some success and to be able to partner with some really great individuals who have helped us you know, transform into who we are today. And, and so my journey was starting out really in that digital marketing space. And then over time, uh, you know, Beauty Industry Group uh, as a company uh, owns and operates 14 different brands of hair extensions today, and so companies that you'd be familiar with, like Bellamy or Halo Couture or Donna Bella hair extensions, and you know that list is, is is quite long at this point. But I had the good fortune, over you know throughout these years, to be able to be associated with those brands, and have actually ran a few of the brands. So. From a commercial perspective on sales and marketing and education, I've been at the trade shows. Yeah. I've you know interacted with salon professionals, interacted with salespeople, educators, and have really kind of gone through the gamut of different roles that I've been able to hold throughout those years. And that's all really helped me to gain the experience that I needed to be in the role uh, which I'm in today. Yeah. And that is overseeing all of our brands that primarily sell directly into the salon professional space and so a lot of the knowledge that i've gained over the years about the salon professional what makes a consumer experience so different in that salon environment and how we as a manufacturer can help facilitate you know some really great transformations behind the chair are some of the things that were kind of important as i gained some experience and kind of came up through the ranks
0: yeah that's amazing and i i love your modesty how you said we've had some success and then continued on to say 14 brands in the hair extension space. I mean, that's quite a that's quite a feat. That's a lot of different brands, a lot of, you know, similarities, but a lot of differences, right? Within those 14 brands.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And and if you think about larger organizations where maybe they have they own and operate multiple different brands, yep. normally they're within different product types. Categories. Yeah. You know, you might have color and you might have hair care. You maybe have some tools, uh, maybe you have some bond building treatments. We're probably one of the only, if not the only, organization that's really stuck, at least up until this point, in one category, and really sought to become the experts. And you know, we're we're learning and adapting every day. But having that many brands that we are able to be associated with really helps us to be able to think differently and a little bit more broadly uh, about that particular category.
0: Yeah. And one of the things you'd mentioned before we hopped on the recording, and that, um, you know, we've met a, a handful of years ago. And one of the things that stuck with me was you had mentioned that each one of the businesses or each one of the brands, you allow the business leader to run it, run that brand as if it's its own business unit. And I always thought that was really interesting because, too, like you mentioned, having that many different brands rolling up to one sort of all company brand. I thought it was an interesting, smart way of looking at it. Yeah, it certainly is different, isn't it, Kelly? yeah <laughs> it really is. I don't know if it's smart or not. Well, it's proven to be smart from from my perspective.
2: <laughs> yeah it is it is really interesting and you know people often ask us, well, why do you have all the brands together if they're just running independently right? And you know, I'm sure we'll get into some of the topics about ethical sourcing and sustainability and some things like that. but yeah, some of those really difficult things to do within business or within our society. It's really difficult to do if you're doing it on your own, as like an entrepreneur mm-hmm. or as a startup company. And so it really takes bringing together multiple people, multiple businesses to be able to have an influence on the market or influence in manufacturing, yep. as an example. And so while all of our brands have really kind of been themselves and have created their own identity within beauty, uh, we we still have a lot that we do on the back end where we're we have a lot of camaraderie, a lot of collaboration, things that help us become better as a whole. Even though in the market, Bellamy, as an example, is very well known for what Bellamy does. Halo or Babe Hair Extensions is really well known for what they do in the market. And not everybody really recognizes that on the back end, they've got this organization that helps with sustainability and ethical sourcing and other things.
0: Yeah. It's like this was scripted because my next question, we're going to move into sustainability. So Beauty Industry Group has a large focus on sustainability. Can you tell us where that commitment stems from? Well,
2: I think it really stems from our values. Companies always talk about values. And even in the salon, you might have your values. And sometimes those are just something that's written on a wall, written on a piece of paper. We've really tried our very best from the inception of the organization to say, who are we? what do we believe as individuals you know within this company mm. and then how do we project that in everything that we do and and i would say from our top leadership we, we have a tremendous ceo his name's derek porter that has been here 18 years he told me today okay <laughs> i thought 13 years was a long time but uh he's been here 18 years and uh you know it really speaks to the type of caliber of individual he is And then throughout all of our leadership and even going to each one of our brands, we really try to put these values first and foremost, when we do business. So we value people, we value hard work, we value ingenuity. There's many things that we look at when we establish who our values are. But one thing that we recognize very early on is that if we wanted to bring these values to our organization and help others, uh, be able to benefit from that is that we really had to get serious about what it meant to provide value in the markets that we do business. And it's not only here in the United States where we sell a lot of hair extensions. It's also in the countries where we do a lot of our manufacturing or our sourcing. It really is that kind of whole value chain that we wanted to provide value to as, as we recognize kind of the value of each of those individuals that help to produce the product that we sell today. And so we seek to put those values first as we do business in different places. We also wanted or recognized that by bringing these brands together, we became kind of the leading expert in the category of hair extensions. And there's not a governmental agency that's saying, here's what an extension should be, or here's what you shouldn't do, like you might like in a pharmaceutical world, where they say, here are the things that you can sell or that you can't sell. Right. And so we felt like we needed to step up to the plate and become kind of that go to source for everything hair extensions. Mm -hmm. And that translates all the way down to sustainability, and how we make sure that this is the products that we source, and the way that we do it is done in a way that is sustainable for a very long time to come.
0: Well said, Um, you know, hand in hand with sustainability, as you mentioned, is ethical sourcing. Why is that important?
2: Ethical sourcing is such a such a big topic, isn't it? Yeah. It is. So we come from a category within hair extensions where you have a product that's not manufactured like on an assembly line. It's not just stamped out time and time again. And it's something that you have a whole bunch of raw materials that are readily available. We have a product that's very uh, humanistic. It's a product that women either donate or sell their hair in different parts of the world. And then that hair is cared for it's treated and it's transformed into these really amazing extensions that we sell in the salon today or or you know directly to the consumers and that product has so much risk at times of being a product that was sourced unethically Mm -hmm. and because there's no governing body saying here's how you should do it here's what you do do or you don't do unfortunately it opens up uh you know the room for there to be some bad actors in the world. yeah, and, and so again, you know, as we talked about sustainability, we've also taken that stance that we want to be the ones that are setting the bar, setting the criteria of what is ethically sourced and what's not. And we actually invite other competitors and others in the industry to come along for the journey. yeah, And we actually share with them what we're doing and how we're doing it, because we would love all of our competitors to be doing the same thing, yeah. because we believe that if we can continue to contribute to a very ethically sourced and sustainable product, that that not only benefits the industry, but it benefits the consumers that are wearing the product uh, as well.
0: That makes sense. A rising tide raises all ships. Isn't that the same? Yeah,
2: that's exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we say that a lot and we really believe that. Do we really do?
0: Is there a technology or techniques that beauty industry group is using to track with ethical sourcing?
2: So there are a lot of techniques and, and actually, you know, one thing that um, I, I'd recommend anybody that has interest in in further understanding, like what really ethical sourcing means when it comes to hair extensions. If if you go to the beauty industry group website, there's a link there where we actually have what's called a CSR report. It's a corporate responsibility report and sustainability report. And that report, we actually outline everything that we do from an ethical sourcing standpoint. And, And that applies to each of our 14 brands. And through that, we talk a lot about the methods and the technologies and the different processes that we Uh, utilize to be able to say that we have an ethically sourced product. But just a few of those, you know, Kelly, that I think are pretty important to understand. One of those is that we we actually have a report or or an audit that we go through with every one of our manufacturing partners, whether it's our own manufacturing or third-party manufacturing. And we have what's called a code of conduct. And this code of conduct outlines what it means as a manufacturer or as a sourcing company of hair extensions to be in compliance with what we deem to be ethically sourced. And so it's a good working environment. It's fair wages being paid to those that are employed. It's making sure that underage individuals aren't employed by that manufacturer. It's making sure that the local laws are being followed by that company. And so we have this code of conduct and every year go through twice a year and audit ourselves these companies and then we invite a third-party auditor that is completely independent of us and the manufacturers to come in and help assess to make sure that we're doing it the right way and this has really helped us to align ourselves with companies that want to be doing the right thing. yeah. And so we've actually had to stop some partnerships over time because they weren't willing to kind of comply with what we felt was important. It's also given us the opportunity to lean in as more of a, a partner with some of these companies so that we say, Hey, we're going to do this together. We're going to invest together to make sure that we can get to the end state, which is, you know, complete ethical sourcing. And so that's one thing that we did early on and still do today. And then there's a host of technology from blockchain Technology and other things that we include in that to be able to make sure that we can track along that whole process.
0: Yeah, that's so interesting to kind of double click into because, you know, from a general consumer space, you know, do you know what type of extensions are being put on your head, right? You trust your salon pro, but it's important that salon professionals know that Beauty Industry Group is taking all of these different steps because it can be a little bit of the wild, wild west. And I'm sure there are many bad apples out there because it is such a hot service right now, right?
2: Yeah, well and, and you know as I think as a consumer that's a good point that you bring up. I think as myself as a consumer, yeah. and yes, I want things to be ethically sourced. I want to buy and purchase products that are sustainable. I don't always take the time to really research them probably the way that I should sure. because convenience and accessibility and the speed at which we get product today, you know, you order from Amazon and they Amazon just opened up a warehouse down the road from mm. where I live. And I get product the same night I order it a lot of times. Wow! And you think about like what that's done to our psyche and how we expect you know to be able to engage with product. We don't always take the time to really understand what companies are doing and if they're doing it the right way. And and I think that that's not really any different for hair extensions and mm-hmm. for those that this is an important thing, which hopefully it is for for many. Uh, you know, there are opportunities to really dig in and understand what's being done to make sure that that product is delivered in the way that you would expect from a company.
0: Well said. What are some points that stylists should look out for or some considerations when looking to, hey, what extensions should I be using with my clients? Where did they start in the industry?
2: Yeah, I think there's two different areas, Kelly, that I would recommend. One, One is really from that sustainability and ethical sourcing component, mm-hmm. which has to do with quality of the product, but it also is kind of a different conversation in some respects as well. But just making sure that I'm purchasing a product from a company that I know is doing the right thing in in the world. Yeah, uh, I would recommend that anytime somebody says that they have something that's ethically sourced, that it's sustainable, that they just really take a little bit of time and understand what that means to that company. Because, as I mentioned earlier, there's not really a governing body that says you can say your product is ethically sourced if you do these
0: three things. These things, yeah.
2: And if you don't, you can't say that. Mm-hmm. And so it's very easy for a manufacturer to say, "Oh, yeah." We ethically source our products, but it could mean something very different to one person than it does to another. And so taking that moment and really just spending a little bit of time doing some research, I, I feel is important to making sure that you you really understand what that means. Yeah. And then just secondly, you know, as I think about a salon professional, they do so many wonderful things to bring this product to the consumer and the transformations that happen behind the chair are just phenomenal and they happen within like an hour. Yeah. And, and so you can have this individual that comes into a salon with maybe a really bad haircut and all of a sudden Ooh. they change it to like this really amazing head of hair or somebody that's maybe, you know, thinning a little bit on the sides of their hair and wants just a little bit of volume. The, the impact that can be had is so, it, it can, can happen so quickly. But the one thing that I always think about for the salon professional is they're putting their name on the line when they recommend a product and especially with extensions to the consumer coming in behind the chair. And and so outside of the ethical sourcing and sustainability, I find that the, the other thing that really to probably pay attention to, which I think most already do, is just making sure that you understand the quality of the product and what quality means, because there are a lot of different terms being used by manufacturers of why their product is better than another, but really becoming familiarized with that terminology, and then making sure you understand what the product is that you're then put installing on that individual's head will go a long ways in making sure that you can protect your own credibility, because you're putting the best quality of product on that person, and then making sure you deliver the best experience to the customer.
0: Yeah, wonderful. All right. So recently, one of your 14 brands, Halo Couture Extensions, launched Blend In Clip-Ins, which sounds exhilarating, right? (laughs) Um, Can you tell us about the process for this launch? We're going to dive into one of your brands in the next segment.
2: Yeah, I would love to talk a little bit more about that. So Halo Couture is known... for Halo. Yeah. They were known as the innovator of the method. Uh, this was many, many years ago. I think today we talk about Halos and salons will talk about Halos or consumers. And it's just like, it's almost become like a term like Band-Aid.
0: Or like Kleenex. Yeah. You're like, I need a... Yeah, I need something. <laughs>
2: and uh, you know, that's kind of what Halo has become today. But Halo Couture is really the innovator in that space and the one that created that technology. And still today is recognized as one of the companies that has the highest quality, the most innovative kind of technology when it comes to installing the halos, mm-hmm. um, but there's this whole other segment of product which they've never really been in, which is clip-in extensions. Mm-hmm. It's a very similar type product where it's something that can be installed and removed, uh, you know, immediately. You don't have to, it's not a semi-permanent product, um, and so they really spent some time trying to identify the very best way to move into that product category where they had been, you know, almost exclusively within the halo c- category for many years, and so there was a lot of uh, research, a lot of time spent understanding what was important to their current customers okay. to make sure that we could complement the Halo product with some of these blend in clip ins, uh, which we felt would go a long way just to kind of expanding that product portfolio.
0: Amazing. I don't know if this dates myself because I'm not really sure when you launched Halo at America's Beauty Show, but I feel like I was there and I actually have three Halos. How do you like that? <laughs> Great. I love that. That's wonderful. Over the however many years.
2: <laughs> uh, well, I guess the question is, do you have blend-in extensions yet? Do you have the blend-in
0: Indeed, I do not. <laughs> okay. But I do have sewn-in, but don't tell anyone. Okay. No. <laughs> I won't
2: tell anyone. You know, it's... it's it, Kelly, I don't even... Uh, I'd have to go back and look at what year it was that April launched, but you're probably... Probably 2014,
0: 2015. Yeah. All right. That that sounds about right. It Sounds about right. It was like this explosion of excitement yeah. on the ABS floor. It's like, and I remember the transformations, take them on and off. Yeah. Sales were going wild. So definitely, what I always remember <laughs>
2: about those those trade show days for Halo Couture. So this was before we had partnered with them at, at Beauty Industry Group. Okay. But they always had, if you remember this, the very best carpet out of all of the trade show. Yeah. It was this white carpet that had a ton of padding in it. <laughs> And you would want to go stand on their carpet just because your feet
0: hurt so much. Yes. <laughs> I mean, call that good marketing, right? Your good sales. <laughs> you remember it all these years. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right. So tell us how the marketing of this launch is going to differ from some of the other launches for Halo Couture.
2: So one of the things that the Halo Couture team have done a really nice job with over the, the last, you know, they really always have done this, but especially over the last few months is being more thoughtful about the data that we're collecting from our customers, and saying, what really is important to you as a hair extension consumer? What what is it that makes the product, you know, act the way that you want it to make sure that has the longevity that you're looking for. And so they've really have double clicked into that in a big way, uh, not only from a salon and stylist perspective, but also from the end user and what they're expecting. And I think that one thing that, you know, customers will find a little bit different this time around with this product launch is the amount of messaging and and kind of the way the messaging is different when we talk about the clip-in blend-ins versus when we were talking about the Halo products, because they do serve a little bit different needs and they have different ways of being used. Mm -hmm. And so I think that... You know, that's going to come through in the marketing, on the website, on the packaging, even of how we're displaying these products and promoting them to existing and and future customers.
0: Amazing. And when will this launch take place? So it's already happened, actually. It's happened. Okay. It's out there.
2: We need to get some of the clip ins, Kelly.
0: (laughs) You know, the more hair, the better for me. I, you know, growing up with a stylist as a mom, it was like, better poof your hair up a little bit before you leave. Yeah.
2: Well, especially, yeah. Especially, you know, with the poofy hair was
0: in the nineties. Like let's do it. Yeah.
2: Well, I'm curious, (laughs) this is just out of curiosity, but did your mother do extensions at that time or did that come later on?
0: Came way much later on. Yeah. She was in the era of, you know, perms. That's about it. Like hit it. You know, it was small town, Iowa. Um, She had a wonderful clientele, but mostly kind of the basics, cut, color, perms back in the day. So I've had it all.
2: So you didn't you didn't really get exposed to extensions too too much then as you were kind of working in that salon environment, Mm-mm. it came a little bit later. Yeah. Which probably matches with when they really started to become popular with the industry over the last 10 years or so.
0: Yep, that's about the right timing. Yeah. All right. So we talked about Halo. What is next for the hair extension industry as a whole?
2: So there's a lot of, I think, exciting things going on within hair extensions. Uh, we just talked about this, uh, you know, and Derek, our CEO, he would he would tell you that when he started 18 years ago. Uh, he, he would go home after like working all day, and his wife and him would talk about is this a fad? Is this a trend? Yeah. You know, am I, is it going to be here five years from now? And I, I think for, you know, 15, 20 years ago, that was a real consideration that extension companies gave mm-hmm. was just, is this something that's here to stay? Yeah. And, and I think we can all emphatically say that this is a staple product within our industry. It's like color. It's like care. Yeah. There's not as many individuals using it as there are color and care products today, but that number's growing. And it really has become kind of a, a staple product within the industry. Um, and some of the things that we see shifting or some of the things that we see kind of in the future number one is we, we talk about democratizing hair extensions. Mm-hmm. And 10 or 15 years ago, you would think about hair extensions of something that if you had short hair and you wanted long hair, Yeah. You were going to use an extension to go do that. Mm -hmm. That was really the only reason that you thought about it. Mm -hmm. Um, Or the only reason you'd say, I need an extension today. That's a little bit different. We think about it as I want to add a pop of color. Yep. uh, And I don't want to use a color treatment as an example. Yep. We think about it as I want to change my look for the night. Mm -hmm. That's really popular when you look at like all these award shows and you see these celebrities (laughs) with just vastly different looks. Extensions are often used for those like really quick transformations we think also about different generations of women having different needs for their hair. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, th- you think about postpartum hair loss, or as you get older and your hair doesn't grow as quickly, or you get a little bit fine hair, even on the top of your head or on the sides. Yep. These are all uses where hair extensions can be very helpful. But we don't always think about it that way because we still have that stigma of extensions being from short yeah. to long. Yeah. And so one of the things that we've really been focused on and that we talk a lot about when we do our educational classes with our salons is how do we help individuals coming into the salon or visiting our websites online understand that it there's a whole bunch of different reasons why you could choose to use extensions. And there's different technologies like a Halo or like a clip in or your sew-ins that you said that you had. Yeah that can actually be applicable depending on what you're looking for. right? And and so we feel that that will help more and more individuals wear the products, which will help kind of rise that tide that you were talking about a little bit earlier on.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. And it's kind of funny how we still call them extensions, right? Because as you mentioned, they could be more like a filler or a color alternative or hair thing and loss treatment, whatever it might be. But that word extension has stuck around.
2: It really has, and it's kind of like band aid. You know, it probably won't go anywhere. Yeah, uh, you're probably always going to call a band aid a band aid and Kleenex a clean. True. <laughs>
0: um,
2: we've started to use internally the term hair solutions. Yeah. And so when we refer to it internally, and we think about what the future looks like and how we should be helping others think about products, that's how we uh, how we phrase it. But we recognize that that's how it's known is as a hair extension, and yeah, that probably is not changing anytime soon.
0: Yeah, I always think about as I'm sitting there getting my. Hair extensions, you know, moved up. And then you go to pay for the wonderful service and you think, why aren't more stylists doing this as their sole service? Because in out the profitability, the business sense it makes. Talk to me a little bit about that from your perspective.
2: Uh, I wish I would have been a cosmetologist 15 years ago. Right. I totally just would have been an extensionist. <laughs> Same.
0: It's crazy. I mean, crazy. you do the math and you pencil it out, and you're like, okay, I could be working three days a week, four days a week, with this sort of income, doing this life changing service. It's incredible. Yeah
2: there there are there are many 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 stylists that are behind the chair making six figures. Yeah, exclusively doing extension services, and mm-hmm. uh, it, and and I think part of the reason that, that happens is hair extensions are a fairly complex product to install. Mm -hmm. Uh, You don't learn about it in cosmetology school, right? So it takes somebody that's very passionate about learning a a new skill set about dedicating time to their craft that really puts themselves in a position to be successful within the extension category. And so those that are really passionate about it and really dedicated can really set something up that's special uh, compared to maybe some of their, their peers. But today only about a third. of of hairdressers actually install extensions. So the amount of cosmetologists that are within our industry that actually have the opportunity to learn a new skill set and bring that into their salon is still really huge. But that also opens up a lot of opportunities for those ones that are already installing the extensions to say, I'm going to make myself be set apart from my peers by offering something that a lot of others don't. Mm -hmm. And that's what's opening up this wonderful world where you can really make a lot of money behind the chair with the services.
0: Yeah. Again, from your grandfather to your guidance counselor, we're here to talk about the industry and the profession and all of the opportunities. And certainly being an extension specialist is one of those at the top of the list from a business practicality perspective.
2: Yeah. And you talk about the guidance counselors and wanting them to tell children and parents that this this is an industry that they should consider. I, I know there's a lot of conversation you know in the industry right now with different studies being done yeah about, about the compensation mm-hmm. that a hairdresser receives and it's such a complicated topic because as you look at the government databases of like average compensation for an industry you have booth runners co- you know uh, commission salon stylists, you have part-time you have full-time and so that blended number that is being used really isn't yeah. reflective of what the possibilities are yeah um and, and so hopefully there's a lot of things that can be done you know, collectively within our industry to help that stigma go away and, and help others understand that there's really a lot of opportunity uh, for people coming into the industry, whether, whether it's through a school, through a salon, through as a manufacturer, uh, as a marketing agency. You know, There's a lot of different ways that you can make an impact.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. Um, and then the last topic is education around extensions. Why aren't we teaching that in schools yet? I wish I knew the answer.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we have been working very hard uh to to help ensure that this is being taught it, the mm-hmm. the school the school network is very fragmented yeah uh, in terms right. of you know there's not one curriculum that's like standard across every everybody yeah. and of course we know that the licensure across states is even a little bit different and so mm-hmm. it's not an easy task to ensure that extensions are being taught the same way across all schools yeah something yeah. that we're very dedicated to you know our brands uh, especially brands like hotheads um, babe hair talk these brands especially have really tried in a big way to go reach out to the schools and help them start to teach this curriculum yeah. um, but we we still have a long ways to go to mm-hmm. help that being done in a in a broader sense um, but we 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 do think that that's a key for us helping to unlock the opportunity for more and more stylists to become aware of the category and to be able to make money, more money behind the chair. And so something that we're actively working on, but that's one area that we have a long ways to go still, Kelly.
0: Yeah, I agree. All right. So now we're going to move on to this little section that we call the tease quick takes. Oh boy. And oh boy is right. No, no pressure. Not, not too hard, Okay. but I'm going to give you a question and you can just pop off whatever your answer is. So the first one is, What was the first ever beauty product that you owned, hair or beauty product? I know you mentioned that you grew up with sisters. So if not you, maybe one of theirs.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So I definitely didn't... I wasn't a consumer of beauty products growing up. I can say that for sure. I was very much into sports and outdoors, but my sisters (laughs) loved beauty products. So I I cannot recall the very first beauty product I had, probably deodorant or soap, I guess, would be...
0: That's good. (laughs) <laughs> that was a good one. Uh,
2: what what I can say is though, uh, you know, that as I've gone to, you know, I, I'm able to travel a little bit just for my job. And so mm. uh, sometimes I find it really hard to get a haircut okay. where where I'm at. Yeah. And so a lot of times I'll get a haircut wherever I'm traveling at. <laughs> and it's always fun to hear the recommendations coming back from the barber yeah. or back from stylist. And most of the time I take them up on it just to try something different. And I yeah. found some really great brands that I've
0: I've enjoyed as a result of that. That's awesome. And how cool to have a brother that runs a hair extension brand company, right? Oh, I mean, that's a nice,
2: my sisters love it.
0: Yeah, yeah. that's a good it's always a, the
2: Christmas presents are always <laughs> easy for me because I know exactly what to get them fun
0: for them because they get something that yeah. uh, they don't, they don't normally buy. So. <laughs> that's a treat. All right. Are you superstitious? And if so, about what? So I'm not that
2: superstitious. I can walk under a ladder. Okay. I can see a black cat. Okay. really freak me out very much. Uh, I would say that I knock on wood a lot. Okay. Same. If I say something, you don't want to jinx myself. like I know. Find the wood wherever it's at.
0: I know. Why do we do that? I do that because I'm scared if I don't. Right. I guess that's a superstition, right? Yeah. You're like, now I've started it. At what point can I stop? And the answer is never. You can never stop.
2: As <laughs> long as there's wood, you always have to keep knocking whenever you say that for sure yeah
0: other than that i'm not
2: very superstitious though
0: okay only knocking on wood got it who would play you in a biopic of your life
2: okay so i don't think i'm cool enough to have this person oh
0: come on i don't think i'm cool (laughs) enough but
2: if i could choose anybody Uh it definitely would be kevin costner
0: okay yeah classic he's a little bit older uh
2: but just an amazing actor i really got into some of his recent shows like yellowstone and some others so good just thought it was a really great job so
0: would you be out on the ranch though
2: it sounds really good like yeah same concept. I, I think if i was actually out on the ranch i don't know if i'd enjoy it that much but <laughs> it, it feels like it could be pretty fun to go ride some horses and uh, get away from the city a little bit beautiful
0: <laughs> all right what do you consider the ultimate comfort food
2: i'm a big rocky road ice cream fan
0: Oh, okay. Uh, that came out of nowhere. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. I don't know. What would,
2: what would you have expected?
0: I don't know. I don't know. Okay. But Rocky Road's like a tried and true, right? It's tried and true. You can't, you can't go wrong. <laughs> so really any food is pretty comforting to
2: me. I, I, can, uh, I do well with pretty much anything, but especially Rocky Road ice cream.
0: Okay. Got it. Okay. Last one. Say you're on a deserted island and you can only bring three beauty products. What are you bringing? Uh,
2: I got to go back to my childhood. I'm definitely bringing soap.
0: Okay. soap's good.
2: Uh, I have to have a sunscreen. Okay. And then I would have to have a
0: matte pomade. Matte pomade. Okay. Dare you share, dare you share what your favorite brand is? Uh, so right now, like I said, every every time I go to the
2: salon or barbershop, I I really do try to take the recommendations and I try a whole bunch of things. Okay. Right now I'm using Billy jealousy, which I really like.
0: Really, Jealousy. I don't know that one. I'm writing it down for my husband. Okay.
2: It's just kind of a, a just a niche brand and okay. they have a really great like matte pomade that I really like and okay. I have to stick with that. So I think if I'm going to be on a deserted island, I still want my hair to be done. Otherwise it's like, of course you know, too crazy.
0: Are you really in the pro beauty industry? If you don't want your hair to look good on a deserted island? <laughs>
2: Probably not. Probably not.
0: <laughs> Amazing. Well,
2: And by the way, as much as my sisters love me being in the industry, I take a lot of grief from my brothers
0: on how much I know about beauty. So I I get that good balance. All right. That's good. You got to have balance. (laughs) All right, Brandon, last question. Where can all of the salon pros find more information about Beauty Industry Group and some of your brands?
2: Those that are listening to the uh, podcast today, if you want to learn a little bit more about Beauty Industry Group, some of the things that we've got going on with our 14 brands certainly go to beautyindustrygroup.com and read more about the sustainability and ethical sourcing. Many of our brand, all of our brands are, are mentioned on the website and you can go directly to the websites of each of those brands too. Some of those brands would be Bellamy Hair, Hotheads Hair Extensions, Hair Talk Hair Extensions, Babe. And, and we'll make sure that in the show notes is, uh, that we'll put a link to each of those brands so
0: that you can learn more uh, about each one of them amazing options we got 14 options with a multitude of offerings in the brand so all right well brandon thank you so much this was so fun so great to get to know you and all the things you're up to at beauty industry group um any final parting words for us no i don't think
2: so kelly thank you so much for having me on it's been fun to talk to you and catch up on some things and you know appreciate the opportunity to be able to share a little bit about what Halo Couture is doing with their new launch, as well as Beauty Industry Group, kind of on the sustainability side. So thanks for the really thoughtful questions and uh, glad that we were able to connect for a while today.
0: All right, sounds great. All right, Jeff, we got into it. We got into all of the hair extension chat, chatter, talk, trends, and why Beauty Industry Group and their portfolio of brands are really the one to watch. Be sure to hit subscribe, rate, and review and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok at Read the Tease, and send in questions to volumeup at thetease.com.
1: Volume Up is a Tease Media Production. This episode was produced by Monica Hickey and Madeline Hickey. Brian Daly is our editor and audio engineer. Thank you to Josh Landowski and Nathan Folks for the custom Volume Up theme song. And thank you to our creative team for putting together the graphics for this episode.